think they'll have to call it the Lampard Intrasquad Scrimmage. Yeah. Or maybe the Red Wedding. <laughs> the Sky Blue Wedding is what they would have to call it, because it's not red anymore. I mean, it's it's well, city and NYC. So I just <laughs> just picture Jason Christ walking up to Manuel Pellegrini saying, Dan, Don Garber sends his regards and, and stabbing him, <laughs> letting him fall. And then Lampard, Lampard's there yelling no, and someone comes and cuts his throat. This yeah. is this is a, the most violent beginning to the show we've ever had. I know they look nothing alike, but I, I kind of just imagine Don, uh, Bruce Arena as Tyrion, as uh, Tywin Lannister. As Tywin Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. <laughs> this is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Sorry, uh, spoiler alert, retroactive. Spoiler alert, if you are behind on Game of Thrones, we may have just... Well, we didn't really, we didn't really pretty... spoil anything of the book or the show. No, well, true. <laughs> there were no names associated. That's That's fair. I, I mean, we we did. I did say some names. I think yeah. in there. Anyway, this is filibuster the Black and Red United podcast. I am Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from BlackAndRedUnited.com, where you can see us writing about DC United, the U.S. national teams, and a lot more. Really, whatever in the world of soccer catches our eye on a given day. Uh, we got a kind of a free-for-all show today. We're going to dip into the Twitter box a little bit, and we're going to talk about preseason. We're going to talk about U.S. national team friendlies. Not necessarily in that order. Before we get to any of it, though, we do have to start with this. Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, nothing out of the ordinary. I, I went with a um, bullet rye old-fashioned, but I made it with a uh, little brown sugar, um, and it is a... Old-fashioned, old-fashioned, so there is no cherry, Cherry, there is no orange slice. I don't have those things, which is a big part of it. Um, I have other fruit, but they are not what you would put. Like, you wouldn't muddle a banana in your old-fashioned. That would be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous, and that is exactly why, at some point in the near future, you are going to find a reason to do it. One, one day, things will get desperate, and all of a sudden, I'll have a glass to tap full of uh, smashed banana. Dude, I have a an eight month old. Don't don't even joke. <laughs> ben, what are you drinking? So this, uh, I'll preface this by saying this is the actual name of the brewery and this beer that I'm drinking from them. But there is a farm brewery on the outskirts of Richmond called Licking Hole Creek Craft Brewery, and their Belgian style pale ale that I'm drinking right here is called Magic Beaver. Good to know that they are every bit as mature as Jason's lifestyle. There's, there's definitely no joke to be made about that whatsoever. No, none. 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 I, I, will, I, I will just say in their slight defense, the creek that their farm is built on is actually has been historically named Licking Hole Creek. So they didn't make that up. That's the actual name of the creek. Right. But they just it. What about the beaver thing? Right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no one's ever had a chance to make jokes about any of those things, historically or today. Yes. Nope. But as regards to the beer, it's it's a good Belgian-style pale ale. It's got the sweetness of the Belgian and then obviously the hops. So it's pretty good. All right. I'm drinking a good American West Coast pale ale, uh, Widmer Brothers Alchemy pale ale, because I figured at some point on this show, Jason is going to talk about alchemy. And uh, I just there's wanted, always a chance. I just wanted to preempt it by when I saw this, I saw alchemy. I said, oh, Jason will probably talk about that. And I grabbed it. <laughs> It's a pretty good beer. It's it's definitely a West Coast pale ale. I don't know what more there there needs to be said about that. So let's turn to the actual show. It's preseason. It's here. There's soccer happening somewhere. Not competitive games, but you know, two a days are happening. So we're getting close to actual soccer. Uh, DC United released their preseason roster just before they flew down to Bradenton, Florida for the first leg of preseason after meeting in DC for physicals and and all that kind of pre-preseason stuff. Um, on that roster are some names we didn't know would be there, some names we thought would be there, and quite a few trialists um, involved, including uh, David Estrada and... Andy Dry- Andrew Driver, who we thought, you know, not too long ago would both be on the team, but they're both out of contract. And pending the resolution of 
the collective bargaining agreement negotiations that are currently not necessarily in a very good place right now between the league and the players union. We don't know what the roster size is going to be. And if it's small at 25, which some people are speculating it will be, uh, there's probably not going to be room for Estrada or Driver or enough people to, to compete in all the competitions DC United has. So I'm personally rooting for a larger roster limit. Um, whether that means Estrada and Driver make the team, who knows. But they, they are both currently trialing, trying to re-earn contracts with DC United. Another guy trying to re-earn a contract we wrote about um, not too long ago is is an oldie, but, well, I don't know if I would call him a goodie. Um, it's Rod Diachenko who is back, apparently. Ben, thoughts? Um, yeah, Rocket Rod Diachenko. He played in Thailand for a couple of years, so maybe his career has go- uh, gone through the same rejuvenation that Lee Wynn's uh, career went through when playing in Thailand, but he also played... He played in Thailand. No, he played in Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. Vietnam, oh, well, then probably not. <laughs> that, and before that's that, why he's probably, it's not going to work. Yes, and before that, he was playing for uh, the Baltimore Blast and another indoor team as well, so I don't think indoor back to MLS is a road that is frequently traveled. Wait, so, what year is it? Is it 1999? No. Okay, then no, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> that was a thing. It yeah, was well, not true, anymore. Well, true. But um, I, I assume it's just Ben Olsen giving an old friend, uh, a, a, throwing him a bone, giving him a chance. I don't expect it to happen. If it did happen, I would be kind of shocked and confused and befuddled, but those feelings are common for me, so it's not a big deal. Fair. Uh, a position everyone kind of recognizes as a position of need right now for DC United, uh, a place where they need to get deeper. Their starting uh, pair at this position is pretty well set, but but they're not particularly deep at center back right now, especially after letting Jeff Park walk because his injuries apparently haven't recovered as much as anybody would like. And so they brought in a few trialists at that position. The first name we we saw and recognized was uh, Footy Donso, most recently of the Portland Timbers' Great Wall of Gambia. Um, He is now on trial with DC United. Rashawn McKenzie, who I know very little about. Um, Jason, do you know much about McKenzie? Uh, Yeah, he's he's, uh, an interesting case. Um, Pretty athletic. I can't remember exactly where he went to college. Um, not the tallest, but he's he's physically strong. He's got a good jump. Um, I, I would say, in all honesty, despite the fact that uh, Donso has more of a reputation, I think that's because of his personality and the fact that he has a nickname that he insists that you call him. Um, it's a good uh, nickname. Sure. Funny it is. is fun to say. But uh, but I think that that has kind of added to his reputation, where it's not necessarily earned on the field. Um, I don't think there's much difference between him and McKenzie in terms of their quality as a player. And since Donso is 32, um, uh, or will turn 32 very soon, I can't remember exactly, um, and McKenzie is in his, I think he's, he's 24 or 25. I think um, 28, 28 yeah. actually. Yeah, really? a little older, yeah. He must have come out of college later then. Um, but still, um, that's still a three-year uh, gap that, is going to be hard to, to fill or hard to justify if the two players are even sort of even in terms of uh, ability. Um, Donso when, also has made his reputation less on defense and more on his goal scoring on set pieces, at least in Portland. He always found his way onto the end of, of set pieces, which I think makes any center back look better. Yeah, it certainly does give you a sort of an outsized... Um, it's sort of it's it's easy to remember those big moments um, and not remember all of the little mistakes. Um, exactly. And and let's be honest, if you are a Portland Timbers center back in the last ever, um, you have made a lot of little mistakes. Um, and McKenzie also was a Portland Timbers center back, so he falls for the same um, falls into the same category. It's just that he's not as old. Um, and I think honestly, he probably would sign for less money if I had to guess uh, which player is going to 
take the the lower contract. But um, those two are are not the only one because we've also got uh, Sean Saint, Sean St. Ledger um, in in camp on trial as well, and he he would be signing for a lot more money, I would guess. One would assume he he's coming over from what the championship in the England. Championship, yeah. So the second second division in England. He's uh, a one time at least. Uh, Ireland international, uh, tight with T Swift, at least if Instagram is to be believed. Um, yeah, he he brings some some quality, some international experience, and so it may be that that Donso and McKenzie are already on the outside looking in. Who knows? Um, you'd be surprised to see Saint Ledger come to MLS to trial. Right. Um... Especially, I mean, the the amount of money for for people that don't follow the championship, the amount of money he could make on a regular contract there with just about any team would be designated player money in MLS. Um, that's just how much money there is over there. Even even in the championship, where teams are um, in some ca- in certain cases financially strapped, um, they're still handing out contracts like that. Um, where I think the issue with him is more. Can, will he be okay settling for the money that would be offered? And also, DC United's only got two open international slots left because we traded most of ours away, mm-hmm. um, which is a big advantage for McKenzie and Donso, who has um, a residency in the U.S. Those two would not count, whereas St. Ledger would, uh, unless he goes and marries Taylor Swift or some other American in, in short order. <laughs> which would um, be kind of awesome, which, honestly. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I mean, if that's his plan, that's um, it's it sounds plan. like a bad. It sounds like a bad movie. Um, but, I mean, uh, it, I wish him well. It, 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 I it's mean, far it, better. It's far better than having Justin Bieber as our celebrity fan, which curses every team that he ever casts his gaze upon. So yeah, I mean, not not that I'm a big fan of of Taylor Swift by any means, but one, it would mean that that Sean Saint Ledger would get a song written about him because anyone she gets with gets a song. That's just kind of part of the bargain. It, it would potentially bring visibility and paparazzi to RFK, which is just kind of... It'd be like that movie that that guy was in when he played oh, no. for DC United. That movie with the, with the stuff? With the stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had the things that happened in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it would be it would be interesting and... We, I find the idea sudden, that people, he, somebody accused us of turning into TMZ the other day, and I right. think that would really help Black and Red United down that unsavory path. I find the idea of any uh, truly world-famous celebrity coming down to Lot 8 and then going to RFK for two hours to be hilarious. Yes. Um, because, because RFK is not a place for famous people. Um <laughs> It's a place where you wear certain kinds of shoes because you don't want your other uh, cleaner shoes to get scuffed up and, and dirtied. Um, so for me, I think that would be it, it would be such a uh, 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 against the norm sort of thing to happen that it would be worth it in and of itself just for that. We're all, also we're all speculating this based on one Instagram photo that one uh, famous wealthy person took with another famous wealthy person. <laughs> So let's let's move on to to less famous, less wealthy people. Diego Restrepo and Ricardo Aneta are both, or Aneda, I guess you have to emphasize that because it's a double D, are both in camp as goalkeeper trialists to take that number three goalkeeping position. Restrepo's been in camp before. He's he he's trained with DC United when he's been out of contract. He he came through the academy with Bill Hamid. Um, then went down to South America to play after finishing up at UVA. Ricardo Aneta is a Cagliari uh, product over in Italy, played in Serie A for a short while, bounced around there, and now he's come over here, also on a trial. So United getting some some big pedigrees in on trial this winter. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's an interesting situation because before Restrepo was signed, we just had Aneta and Richard McCallum, the Waterhouse goalkeeper, um, in on trial. But both of them would take up an international spot. And it was kind of an interesting dynamic because Aneta is only 23, um, whereas McCallum is 30. And it was more of a, do we just want a third stringer that might, you know, climb the ranks or do we want someone that's challenging Andrew Dykstra for the backup job? 
Um, but now with Restrepo coming in and having um, dual citizenship with U.S. and Venezuela, it kind of ruins the other trials for the other guys because we've only got the two international spots. We're not going to use one of them on a goalkeeper if we don't have to. And well, let's, international spots are fairly easy to come by during the season. So if we need one down the line, you can just send yeah. some allocation money to somebody who hasn't used all theirs, and you basically but, buy one for nothing. But if you have a, if you have Restrepo available as a backup, uh, and the only reason he he would have made the team in the past if we didn't have Joe Willis as well as Dykstra and Hamid. Um, I think this is a situation where McCallum and or Aneta would have to be spectacular, like way ahead of Restrepo I mean, to, to take the spot. I think that way with McCallum, but with Aneta, if they if they see that he could be eventually developed oh, in yeah. a year or two into a starting MLS caliber goalkeeper with Bill Hamid probably leaving in the next couple of years, I think they'll take a chance on him even if he's not ready yet. And even if, like, Restrepo is better than him right now, if they think he has potential, they may sign him over that. Yeah, that's true. I just, I just think it, it would have to be quite a bit of potential. Um, sure. Yeah, sure. And, I mean, and, you know, and Aneta's last team was in Serie D, which is actually not even the fourth division. It's the, There are two Serie C levels, so it's actually the fifth division. Thank you, right. football manager, for teaching me that. Yeah. Why can um, European leagues never just have a system that uh, goes what, one, two, three, four? League it one is the third division. It always yeah. gets broken up. Uh, a lot of countries have regional leagues, um, and that turns into a thing. Um, there are many, like like our our state our, our our breakdown. Jason, of, uh, Jason it wasn't a serious yeah. question. It's I okay. Like, you're gonna hear the end of it. Uh, there are there are a ton of. It's easier to have a lower division team, so there are a ton of them. So that's why we have a billion USL pro teams now all of a sudden, whereas we've only got 20 MLS teams. Well, half of the USL pro teams are owned by <laughs> MLS teams anymore, it seems like. 500 million USL pro teams owned by MLS clubs. Yep. Uh, one more player who just left preseason camp, uh, was not in on a trial, is DC United Academy player Eric Williamson, who is a University of Maryland um, commit. So congratulations, Jason, on on that. He's from Alexandria, and he is now leaving to go to the U.S. national team under-18 camp. So big stuff for for the academy player um, there. There are some players notably missing from camp, most notably Eddie Johnson is not in camp right now. He's dealing with the same health problem that that hospitalized him just before the second leg of the playoff series against the Red Bulls. Um, From the quotes he gave at the time, it sounded like it was something to do with an enlarged heart that he's had, you know, his whole life. Um, So hopefully he, he's just undergoing some tests and it's nothing serious. That's going to keep him out, uh, over a longer spell and he can get back on the field because we all know he's in a contract year this year and both from a, a personal standpoint for him and a team standpoint, he tends to perform better in contract years. So you want to see him, I'm sure he, he wants one more contract at least before he, he hangs him up. So this would be a big year for him and, and obviously DC United would love him to perform well as well. I mean, especially with Espindolo suspended for the first six games, um, someone needs to score some goals in those games. Um, and Johnson, despite the fact that everyone had already kind of their the hashtag narrative was already uh, long established that Johnson was the worst. Um, the actual truth is that in the last half of the season, he was as good as Luis Silva was um, in terms of producing goals and in terms of his impact on games. It's just people see what they want to see with Eddie Johnson. That's always kind of how it's going to be with him. Um, if he kept the form he had in the, the from July onward for United, if he kept that up for an entire season, we'd be looking at a 14-15 goal scorer um, this year, which I, I don't think anyone would have a reason, a legitimate reason to complain about. I mean, it's Eddie Johnson. People will find a reason to complain about him. Um, but uh, I, I think it's not just a contract year thing. I think... Now that he's a little more comfortable, um, yeah, he's adjusted to the fact right. that his, you know, his his family his family is still in Seattle by all accounts, but he's he's adjusted to that. Um, he's he's 
he has said that he's more comfortable now he or he's gotten used to it. Um, so all of those things factor in. And I, I think if, if his, uh, his health issue doesn't keep him off the field for a prolonged, that, missing preseason is no joke. Even if you end up, even if everything checks out fine, he still misses three weeks of the preseason, which means he's going to be behind everyone else on the team. Um, and, and it's hard to make that up when the season has kicked in and you've actually got games to deal with. It's hard to make out what make up what you lose in the preseason, but that's kind of what he's going to have to do now, um, which means that we might need other players to deliver even more. Someone like Chris Pontius um, may may need to play and, and succeed as a striker for a little while. Um, that And that's not something we were necessarily counting on before this news broke, but... Um, that's how it's going to have to be uh, if if Johnson isn't necessarily fit to start games and be at his sharpest. One guy who will not be stepping up into that hole, um, despite the hopes of a lot of DC United fans, is Michael Seaton. At least not right away. He's out for a spell with a knee injury suffered at the Concacaf under twenty championships with host Jamaica. Um, he's out. What? Three to four weeks, or no, six, to six to eight. Six to sorry, six to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, which is basically all a preseason and and into the regular season. So yeah. tough break for the homegrown striker there. And I think that's going to be a situation where, like, if he had been able to have all of preseason, maybe he could have threatened a spot on the end of the. Roster probably not like to stay up in DC, but now that he's going to be out six to eight weeks, I think we're a hundred percent going to see him get some significant time in Richmond again this season uh, to uh, build back up his form and to uh, get him training regularly and things like that. So if he's going to make an impact for the uh, MLS team this season, it's it's going to be after some games in Richmond, probably in the second half of the season. I think that's right. One guy we are going to be seeing very soon in camp is Marcus Halstey, the new signing, the Finnish international from uh, signed over from Swedish club Malmo, is finally got his passport and administrative stuff underway. He tweeted out he is on his way to the U.S. He's going to stop in D.C. for a physical and and some baseline testing, and then get on another plane down to Florida because crossing the Atlantic is a great reason to just stop once you get here <laughs> before getting on another plane for a long trip. Uh, some other players are coming back from injury. Andrew Dykstra and Bill Hamid uh, are both returning from injury suffered last season. Same for Connor Doyle and Chris Rolfe, with, as we all know, with his bionic arm. Uh, Luis Silva seems to be have the furthest to go. He's not quite participating fully yet, but he he seems to be on the road to that. So United looking mostly healthy except at the striker position, of course, because why would you be healthy at the striker position? Two other guys who are not in camp for DC United right now are Perry Kitchen and Steve Birnbaum, but it's for the best possible reason, well, the best possible soccer-related injury. There are reason. There are lots of other reasons that are probably better than playing for your national team in a friendly with basically half a you know, a B-team uh, type squad. But it's still a good reason to miss preseason camp. Uh, Kitchen and Birnbaum are both in Chile with the U.S. men's national team uh, in the squad to to face, well, Chile, uh, Wednesday night, uh, which that game will be on Fox Sports, Fox proper. It'll be on one of the Fox networks. Fox Sports 1. Fox Sports 1? Okay. Yeah. I... And and we can talk about how they're going to fit in, but it's hard to tell right now because of all the speculation that Jurgen Klinsmann is going to be switching up formations. Uh, who knows so wait, if he actually will? But has has Tommy Sohn pulled a face off and just like melt, put a Jurgen Klinsmann mask over his face and is now there's only one running. way we will know. There's in, only one one point, and it'll be Wednesday night. There will be one point when we will know whether Tommy Sohn. Is it's in the thirty-second minute. It will be yes. It will be the thirty-fifth, thirty-seventh minute, just before halftime. If we see a substitution for no reason whatsoever before halftime, then we will we will know that Tommy Sohn 
has somehow either possessed or replaced Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, I want to point out that in the movie Face Off, it was a it was a real face transplant. It wasn't just a mask that was. Well, that's true. That's true. They actually I guess I'm thinking of Mission Impossible scene. Three. Yeah, there, there's a surgery scene uh, in Face Off. There, uh, there's also a there actually also two. a boat that crashes into some some terrorists uh, as the movie becomes. It's a it's a Nicolas Cage movie about people switching faces, so it's it's as incoherent as you might expect it to be. Um, yeah, it's a movie I, where Nick Cage. I don't Cage want to say I recommend the, going to see Face Off, but maybe you should see Face Off. I don't know. <laughs> if you want to, see, if you really, if you haven't seen it and you want to see Nick Cage do an impression of John Travolta <laughs> doing an impression of Nicolas Cage, then right. you should go see it. If you don't want to see that, then maybe don't go see it. If if you remember uh, Robert Downey Jr. It, in Tropic in. Thunder, uh, um, Tropic Thunder explaining that he's a dude pretending to be a dude in disguise as another dude, that explanation is essentially a summation of Face Off. I think uh, it was actually except, taken from the back of the the video. Except except in Face Off, it's two different dudes doing that much of a convoluted uh, contortion uh, at each also, other. They're pretending yes, to be each other at, yeah. at and towards each other. Uh, I don't know why uh, you should watch Face Off, other than maybe if you've got alcohol, you should watch it. There's kind of a cool knife in it. I remember there yeah, being a knife that's kind of cool. Knife. Um, I think I saw this when it came out in the theaters as a teenager, so my memories are a little foggy. I did not have any alcohol, though. But I guess being a teenager is kind of like being drunk. So. And just for the sake of segue, I will say so is being Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, just as we and, planned it. And so we get to talk about a 3-5-2 now. We, the one thing we know about the, the system that, that Klinsman's had them working on in training is that Jermaine Jones is going to play, it sounds like as a pretty classic sweeper, uh, in between two center backs in that three-man back line. It's not going to be a, a three-center back set up the way the modern game has kind of moved. It's going to be Jermaine Jones playing as a sweeper. Stepping up when the team's in possession, I imagine, because it's Jermaine Jones. He doesn't know how not to step up when the team is in possession. And then a couple of wingbacks. DeAndre Yedlin's in camp. You have to assume he's going to be on the right, and that's a role that seems custom-made for him. It'll be interesting, but I I am curious to see how Perry Kitchen in particular fits into that system. Steve Birnbaum is obviously one of the marking backs at this point. If he gets on the field, he will be one of those marking backs, which it looks like maybe Matt Beasler and, and Matt Hedges are, are probably favored to start the game against Chile. But, again, it's Clinsey. You never, ever, ever, ever know. Yeah. Why not just start um, a back line of three center defensive midfielders? Just start trap Jermaine Jones and Perry Kitchen across the back line. I will tell you why, because Barcelona already <laughs> did that. Clinsey wants to think he's original sometimes. And because it's an awful idea. Yeah, that's not why Clinsey wouldn't do it, though. That's true. But I guess there <laughs> is some debate, because I assume one of Kitchen or Trap will start in the uh, Beckerman role, the number six role. But I guess I unfortunately think that it all probably would be Will Trap who gets the, the, the beginning of that game. I, I am worried. I think one of the reasons I'm not quite sure where Perry Kitchen is going to fit into this is because they keep – they initially, when the roster was released, the 28-man roster, they had Kitchen listed as a defender. Everyone's like, no, Clinsey, no. And then he got moved to midfielder on an updated roster. And then the 23-man uh, traveling roster comes out, and he's right back there in the defense defenders list. So right. who the hell knows – uh, I think there's some speculation that he, and, and I could honestly see this, he could be backing up Jermaine Jones in that sweeper position. He's a good organizer. He's a good passer. He can step up in possession. He would not be marking. He would be organizing. It, I don't love it, but it, wow. there is a certain sense to be it's, had there. In my, in my gut, I see it more as like the backup to Michael Bradley in this. but Or the... Like, because he played more box to box last year, but or right. in the six destroyer role, but uh, please no, Clinsey. Yeah, it, it's a waste of Perry Kitchen to use him in the back. Uh, it's silly, and just the mere suggestion of it from from this roster is already 
irritating enough. And since life under Klinsman involves me feeling irritated about what's going on with the national team, I assume I, I can only assume that the the most irritating outcome will be the outcome that occurs. Um, I don't. I'm not even sure what that is, but I'll find out tomorrow when it happens, inevitably. Maybe Kitchen plays marking back the whole game, keeping Burnbaum out. Maybe that's the most irritating outcome possible. I I Uh, would agree. While Beasler, Beasler, Hedges, and Shane O'Neill all cycle through the other marking back spot, um, (laughs) they all get half an hour. (laughs) And mixed discrude plays the number six role, while Michael Bradley plays the number ten role. Yeah, that's happened before, though. That I know, and it's still annoying. I will say the the one thing I am glad about is that I, I feel like we're going to see Dylan Cerno as a left wing back at some point, which should be pretty fun. Um, it's kind of an op- it's going to be funny though because it's him and Breck Shea are the two left wing backs in the squad, and um, they're kind of the opposite player from each other. One is tiny and technically skillful; the other is a giant horse of a man uh, who kind of just runs forward all the time. I like how That's both NYCFC. Thank you. Well, yeah. I like how NYCFC and Orlando City both have are both going to have players appear for the national team before they play any actual league games. Yeah, that's that's uh that's life in MLS. That happens. We we are in a weird situation uh, <laughs> as per but usual. I, I, we as in DC United having a team that has played a game before having a national team player. No, I mean, uh, like, we as American soccer fans. Yes, that, well, we as American soccer fans have never not been in a weird place. Right, it's it's always been strange. So, one more strangeness of having uh, a team that doesn't formally exist yet, except as an off-the-field office and a group of guys doing preseason work, uh, will have players on the national team. Whereas, for example, the New York Red Bulls will not. Jason, you're just nailing it on the segues for me tonight. Uh, we're now going to move to a, a segment that I, I almost wish could become a regular feature on this show, and, and we'll call it Metro Off-Season Failure. Um, the New York Red Bulls had a trade today that it, it was officially announced today that, that actually managed to both make the player they acquired and their team more despicable. It's a remarkable coup of a trade in that regard. They acquired uh, Felipe Martins from the Montreal Impact. You might remember him. He was last seen stomping on Fabiano Spindola's knee at the opening kickoff for no reason whatsoever and not getting punished for it. Um, Really, and he's also known for diving. He's, He's known as a good attacking player, but he's also kind of a scoundrel on the field. Uh, Lots of kicking, lots of diving, lots more diving, lots of writhing on the ground. Um, If you ask Toronto FC, they may hate him more than we do. Um, Since he decided to taunt their fans directly in their face, having scored a goal that meant nothing to Montreal because they were Mm -hmm. awful last year. Um, Classic Felipe. He's also known for getting picked up by goalkeepers after he has obviously uh, dived. Yes. So he is joining the New York Red Bulls, who we obviously despise, and and some, his association with the Red Bulls makes him less likable than he already was. And and by joining the Red Bulls, he makes them as a team less likable than they already were. So this is really, uh, if you are a fan of hating, this is a wonderful trade for you. Um, New York is sending... Well, New York also acquired the number one spot in the allocation order, so they they may or may not be able to land Sasha Kleschen now. That remains to be seen. It, by all accounts, he seems to be the guy they have their eye on with that number one spot. Um, they sent uh, Oyongo, uh outside player, who uh, I think was last seen not getting a red card for a foul on a DC United player in the playoffs. And and uh, why am I blanking on his name? Alexander's first name. Eric Alexander. Eric Alexander, who was last seen being the only viable midfield partner for Dax McCarty. So that's an interesting move by the Metros there. They sent both of them to Montreal in exchange for these guys. And I think they also sent allocation money and possibly a, a, some of the rights to Red Bull Arena and maybe even some 
New Jersey Transit tickets to Montreal in exchange a, for a bridge it. or two. Yeah. Yeah, it it's a uh, it's something. Um, when New York and Montreal get together, uh, it's always going to be some sort of bizarre. Uh, I, I mean, I Finding guess there are ways, ways to confuse us. Right. I mean, there are ways this deal could work if if New York does in fact sign question, and apparently they feel pretty confident that they're going to. Um, he would take over for Alexander, um, which is the role he plays at Anderlecht. Um, so, so that would probably go well, though I think we do have to remember that Kleshin has always been more than a little inconsistent. Um, he'll have he'll have streaks of good form, and then he'll have streaks where he's just off form inexplicably. Um, Alexander is certainly doesn't have the stealing that Kleshin does, but he's much more consistent. Um, Eric Alexander always gives you a a pretty good outing. Uh, you don't see him play poorly very much. Um, which is something Montreal could use. They could use players that are actually reliable um, for once. Um, they won't have that many of them, as per always. Um, they wouldn't be the impact if they, they were just reliably good. That would be completely out of character. Um, but uh, Which is the why they have Jack McInerney. Right. Um, the interesting thing for the impact is that now they have Eric Alexander, Nigel Rio Coker, uh Marco Donadel, who they signed from, um, I can't remember where in Italy, right, right off the top of my head, um, and Patrice Bernier. Uh, Donadel and Bernier both want to be deep-lying playmakers. Rio Coker and Alexander are, are different types of linking midfielder. Callum Malice um, actually was pretty decent towards the end of last season, despite the fact that everyone else on the impact was playing horribly. Um, all of those guys are looking for two spots in the midfield, um, they're not going to push Ignacio Piatti out of the middle, which is where he belongs. So Montreal has sort of way overloaded them, comically overloaded themselves in one area of the field, um, which is also just a, a pretty classic Montreal thing to do. Um, they did get rid of Felipe, which makes perfect sense. He's not going to play ahead of Piatti. Um, I'm not sure why New York thinks they need Felipe. They, they've The word is that they're going to re-sign Peggy Loyandula, who was really good last season once they played him as a number 10. Um, Surprisingly good, in fact. Yeah, and obviously some of that had to do with Thierry Henry, but I really don't think um, Felipe improves them at that position at all. Um, He's more of a goal scorer than Loyandula, but Loyandula's got a better better range of passes and also is a more reliable player. Um, Felipe can go missing. He did play well in Jesse Marsh's season in Montreal, but... That was a team where someone was going to score and get assists. Um, I mean, if you if you are a half competent team and they were not horrible, they won ten games. Um, some of your attackers are going to put up decent numbers. Um, I don't think Felipe was necessarily that great that season, and I I don't think it's the the assumption in New York is that he's going to walk into the starting lineup as the number ten. I don't think that's the case, um, and I don't think Peggy Loyandula would think that's the case either. Um, and then Oyongo, the situation with him is interesting because he's playing with, or he was with Cameroon in the African Cup of Nations. I think they got eliminated, um, in the last couple of days. Um, and he actually scored a goal. Um, he's played fairly well. Um, his value is pretty high and he, he wanted to go to Europe and apparently he is, his agent is complaining about the trade already. Um, so Montreal might have just acquired like $750,000 in the physical form of, uh, Ambrose Oyongo for the time being. Um, and if that's the case, then they've really come out of this one like bandits because they'll have allocation money and real money and also Eric Alexander who provides them something that they've lacked for so long. Um, so they may have won this deal, especially if New York, as it appears, is overvaluing Felipe and is also putting all their eggs in the question being awesome basket. Um, or it could all, with those two teams, it could all, all, all go horribly wrong. Anyway, all, all of the players involved could end up being terrible because it's New York and Montreal. I think at this point that that almost seems the most likely result. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what would amuse me, um, given that the East the East is already going to be hilarious as it is. Um, once you take us, Columbus, and New England out of the equation, it's really going to be like um, you open the clown car door and whichever three teams can emerge first get the playoff spot. Um, and we we get the laugh anyway. 
I it's gonna be like it's gonna be like on The Simpsons when they when the Mayo Clinic explains to Mr. Burns why he's still alive and not dead. It's because he has all of the diseases and they're all trying to get through the door at the same time, and they they keep each other out. That's gonna be okay. kind of how the the Eastern Conference is for the last three playoff uh, spots. I'm glad you brought that up. I I briefly found myself trying to pass that off as a joke of my own about a roommate that I had. Uh, he had four. <laughs> His four vices were smoking, drinking, uh, eating fast food, and sleeping at terrible hours. And I thought for a while that I thought of something very funny to describe him, and then I saw that episode of The Simpsons, and I realized, like, no, no, this is just a joke that was in my head already from The Simpsons. Um, did it. I just attacked it. I didn't actually think this up at all. Simpsons did it. If you, thought, if you have yeah. a joke that's funny in your head, the odds are that it comes from The Simpsons. Yeah. And somehow that is going to act as a segue to the Twitter box, which we will be opening up right now. Uh, we talked earlier in the show about Sean St. Ledger um, having a photo online with Taylor Swift. Uh, Brendan Cartwright, frequent commenter on the site, I think actually comments more than anybody else on the site we figured out. Uh, at Brendan- Brandonica, actually... I always read it. I, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Uh, he asks us at filibuster DCU, what other pop stars would you like to see with DC United players? He suggests Nelly Furtado, who performed a concert in the DC United jersey once years ago. Um, but Ben, I'll, I'll I'll give it to you first. What what pop culture icon would you like to see with a DC United player? Oh, that's a difficult one. Hmm. Yeah, screw you, Ben. Uh, Prince. <laughs> Prince. Regardless of the context, and, and it can be, for whatever reason, it could be Prince showing up to rain insults down. It doesn't matter. Prince. Prince is the answer. Uh, Prince is always the answer. Of course, I think some, some Minnesota United fans would take issue with that, but forget them. Too bad, uh, not an MLS yet. Yep. <laughs> I... Ovech Caps at Ovech Caps on Twitter asks at filibuster DCU, what about Inter Milan players coming to DCU? This is something that we've seen reported time and again. Uh, Eric Toe here, who owns both stakes in DC United and Inter, uh, in fact, he's the, the chairman at Inter, he has said that he envisions, envisions a, a situation where young Inter players would come on loan to DC United, uh, especially if it looks like they're not going to be getting any time at Inter. It gets them out on their own, lets them spread their wings, gets them time in an improving league that's more physically demanding, probably, than Serie A, if not as technical. So it, it seems like an idea that has some merit, and we've heard him mention it a few times. It's just that nothing has come of it. Ben, do you think this is something real, or is it something that we're just going to keep hearing lip service for? I think it could be real. I think it's slowly building on the relationship between DC United and Inter. Uh, At the beginning, it was only like coaches talking to each other and sharing like business information and whatever that means. And now we've started to get, and we all theorized that maybe they would send some players on loan, but didn't hear anything about it. And then at the end of last year and then into this year, we started hearing Tohir talk about maybe sending players to DC United. So, as long as it's young, developing players, I think it's fine if they can send them here for an entire MLS season, and as long as you don't have to build your team around that player. If, if Tohir can send over a player who's like the final piece that DC United couldn't find elsewhere, uh, then even if it's for a season, I think it's a, uh, it's a great relationship to have. Uh, luckily, it's not the same at all as what City Football Group is doing with uh, their two teams, they're just mining anything good that New York City FC thinks it has in old players. So getting young, up-and-coming players from a uh, academy as strong as Inter Milan would be a good thing for United. And hopefully, maybe not next year, maybe in the next year or two, that could start to happen. All right, Jason, I'm going to direct this next question at you. It's from... It's from our friend Joe in Tumba on Twitter. Uh, he asks us, at filibuster DCU, who would win in a fight? Dima okay. Kovalenko or Ben Olsen? I'm going to have to say, now that Ben Olsen has uh, 
a family to think about. Uh, I don't know what Kovalenko's situation is um, in that regard, but but I feel like Olsen would um, would end the fight before before it turned fatal. Um, which is, I think Kovalenko would still fight to the death. Um, I think, I think maybe, uh, young Olsen would have also fought to the death, but I feel like now that he, he's got, what, three kids now, is it? Um, I think they they just had their third. So, you know, I think he's got other concerns. Um, so I, I think Kovalenko only because of his mindset of, uh, everything, every competitive thing being a battle to the death, um, which isn't really, you know, it's not great for some some uh, some forms of life, but um, I guess if you are getting into a fight, uh, you're more likely to win the fight if that's your mindset. So so I have to say Kovalenko just because, I mean, he's Dima Kovalenko. He he's put multiple people out of MLS. Um, he's just a, a, a boiling cauldron of, of of rage once he gets into some sort of competitive situation. He's he's a, by all accounts a very nice guy when it's not competitive. So but isn't that always how it is? Joe has a follow-up that I can't believe okay. I'm going to read. His follow-up is, what about a goat named Dima Kovalenko versus a goat named Ben Olsen? I can't believe I just read that. <laughs> and we've gone the whole rest of the episode without either of us mentioning goats. Yeah. No, you you did it this time. Uh, dogs and cats to, together, man. You, you have to live with this one. Um, <laughs> Shut up and answer the question. I I've got to say uh, my sense is that a goat owner who is handing out names based on DC United players is probably choosing his best goat and naming it Ben Olsen. Um so I'm going to choose the Ben Olsen goat uh over the Dimakovalenko goat goat because that goat is only named Dimakovalenko it doesn't take on any of his personality traits. Um it it does not have his um uh fight to the death mentality. I I don't assume hey, it could but I'm just saying mathematically that's unlikely. And, all right, I'm not going to read these other questions. <laughs> are they all goat questions? Um, some of them are, yes. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> DCU Exile, at DCU underscore Exile, asks, and no, I'm not reading. He, he sent us three questions. One of them we already answered. One of them I'm not going to ask. And and the other one I, I was going to save for, for a later show, but we'll go ahead and knock it out tonight. He asks us at filibuster DCU with several guys still recovering from off season slash last season injuries. Who is most likely to start in Costa Rica against Ala Holense? Uh, I think going position by position, Hamid isn't quite back yet, but he's got to be favored to start in goal. Um, the defensive line hasn't really had any injuries to, to, to consider here outside midfield. Um, I guess there's some question whether Pontius or Rolf starts on the left, but you expect De Leon to start on the right. With Halsty coming in, there's some question whether he or Davy Arnaud starts next to Kitchen. Um, at this point, Arnaud's probably got the inside track, but you never know. It's a remarkably long preseason, so we'll see. Um, and then up front, you know, your, your guess is as good as mine. You expect Spindola to start if Silva's ready to go. And, and has built a rhythm up in preseason. He's probably good there. Otherwise, who knows? Yeah, worst-case scenario, at the beginning of March, Connor Doyle and uh, Chris Pontius. <laughs> I think I, I will say that, that let's say Silva isn't fit um, to start yet, A Johnson isn't start, fit to start yet. I think at that point we start to look more at like a 4-4-1-1 um, and, and honestly, at that point, um, Colin Martin becomes an option to start. Yeah. Um, especially well, since Dan Estrada isn't... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and of course, Hiro Arietta. So it'd probably be Arietta, not Cardinal. Yeah, regardless. yeah. I, I mean, most likely, um, as long as Arietta is is healthy, um, we could see a Spindola-Arietta combination, which I, I'm not necessarily a fan of. I think they both are too similar in, in a lot of ways that, that won't make them compatible. But and Adam, you you said we were talking about alchemy. Well, here we go. Um, sometimes <laughs> sometimes soccer serves up a bizarre alchemy where two players that should not fit together just inexplicably do. Um, and we can always hope for that, but it's not likely. It doesn't happen very much, which is why it's kind of a special thing. Um, but but at the same time, 
if we're married to the 442, then you kind of run out of options at that point. If those are the only two healthy strikers um, other than Connor Doyle, they're both going to start over Connor Doyle, so that's what you do. Um, but it is a it is a road game um, against Alavolense, so we could see some sort of four five one. Olsen has played variations of that uh, from time to time. Even with Silva and Espindola last year, there were times where he asked Silva uh, and Espindola to, to alternate who would drop underneath and be an extra layer of defense to get through. Um, so we could see something like that. And at that point, Martin becomes an option. Um, David Estrada's not under contract, so you know who knows with him uh, whether he would be considered as a, another forward option. Um, Pontius, obviously, if he's 100%, then he's going to get in there somewhere, whether it's him at left midfield and Rolf moving up, or if it's Rolf on the left and Pontius playing up top. Um, we'll see. But, you know, Pontius ended the season not quite at a 100% yet. Um, I know he, I, I'm guaranteeing that he was working hard in the offseason to get there, but um, we don't know where he's going. We don't actually know what his 100% is since this second surgery yet. Um, so we might see that um, soon. I, I would hope we see it soon because at 100%, Chris Pontius was a best 11 player only in 2012. Um, so it wasn't like it's ancient history that he can play at that level. So um, if we can get him out there at, at that level, then he's definitely going to start with a spindle, and, and that would be fine if he's playing the way he tends to play. That would be fine. That would be a, a perfectly serviceable, um, uh, uh, not even serviceable. That kind of that's damning with fake praise. Um, a good enough, good enough forward combination to get a result down in Costa Rica and and win at RFK. Um, good enough, meaning it's not a guarantee by any means. This is going to be, as I've said over and over, very tough um, Champions League matchup against Alavolense. But um, if Pontius is ready, then he would. I assume be next in line with assuming Silva doesn't get himself at 100% in the next, what is it? Four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. It, it, it's a time period that seems that will seem longer than it is, but at the moment seems really, really short. Right. Too. So, and that is also a description of, I think this episode of filibuster, which is why we're going to end it now. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Uh, send your Twitter box questions to at filibuster DCU. Be sure to follow us also at black and red U for all the writing from black and red Send your hate mail to filibuster at gmail.com. Find the show on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on SoundCloud. Uh, mostly though, just tell a friend about the show if you enjoy it that's how we really build our listeners so for jason and ben i'm adam we will talk to you next week say goodbye jason goodbye jason